so I've kind of thought in my head uh, a lot about what I want to say, what I think I will say, what I feel like saying, because, like, I've always struggled with the idea of, like, what do I keep separated from this platform? What do I talk about when it comes to, like, real-world issues and real-life events? Um, You know, like, where is the line in that? Like, how much do I want to keep ulterior and escape? But... In the process of keeping this an escape, am I ignoring what is going on outside of our scene and like into the real world per se, you know? Um, and I, I definitely have not done everything that I can when it comes to trying to talk about real shit and like relaying all of that info. Um, not info, but just like um, standpoints, I guess, whatever. Um, my cat Levi is eating in the background right now, so if that noise picks up on the microphone, I apologize. Um, actually, no, I don't apologize. He, he needs to eat. Um, I, I, I think something that I want to emphasize, and I don't want to keep this long because everybody already knows what happened. Everybody already knows what's going on. Um, I don't want to make this into a thing where it's like, I am only like so affected by this because it happened in a city like really, really close to where I live in San Antonio. Um, you know, wh- when Sandy Hook happened, I felt it. When Parkland happened, I felt it. Uh, the proximity is not really the thing here. It- it's the the level of just complete um, malevolence that, you know, is being displayed. Um, I, not anymore, but up until, uh, about a month ago, I lived like three houses down from an elementary school and I could see outside of my window every day, you know, kids being picked up and just, you know, parents happy to see them and vice versa. Kids happy to see them. Teachers, you know, uh, having like that exuberance about a school day and things like that. And, you know, I have a, couple friends who are teachers and it's really like difficult to comprehend the fact that it can be any of them at any point they could for, for a job that they did not sign up for for that matter because when you you know go to be a teacher you have aspirations of like teaching kids and mentoring them and being a role model for them you don't think or you have to now i guess but you really should not uh, think about being a human shield as one of your job requirements. Like, that is immensely fucked. Um, I also think it's immensely fucked the idea of, like, adding on the responsibility of carrying arms for these teachers. They already deal with so much bullshit. They already have to pay for so much of their own stuff out of pocket because school districts don't want to fucking help. Um, like, it's it's insane. It is genuinely mind-fuckingly insane, everything that has happened and is happening and will continue to happen because time and time again, history has shown us that no matter what happens, you know, all the hashtags in the world, all the thoughts and prayers, all of the uh, the cries for government to do anything, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to change. Columbine didn't change anything. Sandy Hook didn't change anything. This is, nothing is going to come out of this. In terms of like uh, legislation or reform or anything that we need, it's not going to fucking happen, dude. And it's really, really disheartening. Um, Something that I've like thought about uh, recently in relation to all of this was, uh, and I don't mean to like try and steer away from the topic and make this about music, but it's just something that was in my head. So I want to relate it to all of you. Um the the song unbound the wild ride by avenge sevenfold if anybody has never heard it before go check it out it's one of my favorite songs ever and the uh the ending of that song one of the most powerful fucking sections of a song that has ever existed in my opinion um it's a choir of children and they're saying this like like giving these real like real world adult situation uh, lyrics. And it's just like, you know, I remember hearing it and, uh, 
So I, I something that used to happen was like um, my parents used to let me like play music from my iPod uh, through their speakers when we were driving in cars. Um, so that was how they became aware of like the kind of music I listened to, the kind of music I was becoming interested in. And they had pointed out how like much of like a, I guess like a paradox there is between the voices of these children and what they're actually saying. It's like, how do kids, uh, you know, of that age know about this stuff? And as time has progressed, it's been 15 years since the song released. Uh, I think we've seen that kids are being forced to mature in areas that we never wanted them to, never expected them to because of the world around them. And, you know, I couldn't really imagine being a kid right now this week having to go to school thinking, you know, pretending like everything is okay, being a teacher and having to go and pretending like, you know, like what if it happens to you, you know, shit like that. And again, I really didn't want to, you know, start this episode off in like a, like on such a down note, but starting off any other way would have felt like gross, honestly, for me to ignore this situation. So, um, I think what I will do for this, the description of this episode on Spotify, I will put a timestamp where the music conversation starts. So in case anybody, you know, they've heard enough about this on the news, they've seen enough about it through social media. If they want to skip it, they can, that's totally fine. I take no offense to it. Um, and yeah, that's, I guess where I'm going to leave that at. Uh, it sucks. It really, really fucking sucks. And like I said, from what we've seen before, when these things happen, no change or reformation will come from it. And that's that's not right. So what's going to happen now for this episode is there will be a brief uh, pause and then it'll go into the regular intro and then the bit of the episode that I already had recorded prior. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that now and just... Please, please take care of yourselves, guys. Please be safe. Please stay safe. Please, you know, hold on closely to your loved ones because we don't fucking know what's going to happen. Ulterior. I recently started playing Fall Guys again after having not touched it since September of 2020, I believe. And there's a... There is this like surge of adrenaline that is so indescribable when it comes to Fall Guys and maybe it's because I'm already like a really anxious and like um jittery person to begin with but like okay the the fucking tail game if you guys know what I'm talking about where like you have to keep a tail if you have one and start the game or if you don't have one you have to go get somebody's tail and the timer runs out and if you have a tail you advance if you don't have a tail you you die I assume that's what happens when you don't advance, you die. Isn't it Squid Game, basically? Um, and it is, like, really, really, really fucking gnarly, dude. Let me just say that. Um, but yeah, Fall Guys is providing me a lot of entertainment right now. Uh, if you want to run Fall Guys, uh, I'm on uh, PSN. Uh, Artisan, I think is my name. I honestly don't even know. I have to check that. But yeah, just uh, let's play Fall Guys. Or Overwatch, if you still fuck with Overwatch. Uh, not Overwatch 2, because that sounds like trash. Uh, so anyways, uh, this episode, a really, really, really big fucking episode, guys. Uh, so we got new singles from Coheed and Cambria, Alistic, 100th, a few others that we're going to get into, and then brand new records from Gucci Highwaters, A Dozen Black Roses, Life Awaits, and Static Dress. So, yeah. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy this episode. I don't know if y'all saw, uh, heart attack men and state champs got detained at the French border. Um, I know between you and me was on that tour. I don't really know if they did as well that none of them played the show, but, um, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy day or two days, whatever the span was. Um, I was going to name this episode free hammy if nothing got resolved, but it was resolved pretty quickly. So no need to free hammy in that instance. Uh, but, uh, 
go check out state champs new album go check out the hard tech man ep thoughts and prayers from last fall uh the between you and me record uh, armageddon from last fall as well uh good dudes all of them so scenic overlook this week looked very 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 different than it has recently um there was this uh recent thing i saw about like the kids choice awards and like the winner of best cartoon or whatever the category was ever since 2000 and it's literally like all just spongebob except for one little spot which was avatar uh last i ran or not the little blue guys um that's kind of what this week looked like uh, i'm not gonna lie so we'll get to why that was the case later on in this episode and why one band was so dominant uh but we're going to look at the the singles for right now. The highest rated single this week came from Coheed and Cambria, of all bands, and it was the new single Comatose. I do have to look up the name of this upcoming album just to get it correctly because Cody and Cambria be doing the most with this titling shit sometimes. Uh, Vaxus Act 2, A Window of the Waking Mind. I'm not going to remember that off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Uh, but what I will remember is how fucking good Comatose was when I didn't fully expect that. Um, I shouldn't say, okay, that maybe that's not the best way to put it because the singles run for Vaxus Act 2 has been very, very solid. Um, recently, there was the song The Liars Club, which I thought was really, really, really good. And one of the best songs I've heard come out of Coheed in the last number of years. Um, like, truthfully, I haven't like really, really fucked with this band ever since 2015's um, The Color Before the Sun and before that, The Afterman. But then stuff like, you know, Year of the Black Rainbow, uh, Act One for Vaxus, not entirely for me. Or I, I couldn't really obtain the kind of attachment to those projects I would have liked to. But with Comatose, this is the exact style that I come to Queen and Cambria for. That, like, you know, melodic uh, alternative rock shit with, like, hints of their older emo stuff. You know, talking about, like, a favorite house Atlantic. Um, that's what I live for when it comes to Coheed. That's what I love so much to hear out of them. And Comatose is so catchy and vibrant and just like strikes all of the chords that I need to be struck when it comes to Coheed. Um, and you know, it, it's cool because again, this is a band that for as long as they've been around, I don't always fuck with their material, but I just think that there is something so admirable about what they're doing right now. Um, I also want to plug the torque for this record uh, coming up it is going to have Dance Gavin Dance and Mothica as support. So if you have a chance to see those three acts on this uh, record cycle for Coheed, definitely do so. Comatose is amazing. Um, hundredth. I have never mentioned them before on this show. I honestly know very little about them, which is my bad and shame on me because the new single Fantasize is fucking awesome. I think I'm correct in saying that this is the band's first bit of new material since Somewhere Nowhere back in 2020, which was an album that I do remember being brought up in the State of the Scene Discord that I was in at the time, but honestly, I didn't really make time for it, and I'm not really sure why, I just kind of didn't. Um, so not having heard that record, Fantasize gave me the exact experience that I needed in order to be in the mindset that I am missing out on the brilliance of 100th. Um, the infectious nature of the single goes beyond just like another pop-fused scene track. Um, like, I'm trying to think right now, and maybe this is an exaggeration of sort, but I don't know if I can think of another song this year so far that has like made me move my head to its rhythm the way that Fantasize did, especially in the chorus. Um, and it's not just the rhythm itself, but also the like soothing and seamless flow that the vocals display here 
Um, the song just like works perfectly with all the elements incorporated into it. Um, Fantasize is amazing. I genuinely, genuinely love this song. And it was one of my favorite discoveries of last week. Brand new Olysic single, Everybody's Dead Inside. She does not miss. She doesn't know how to miss. She's incapable of missing. Um, when it comes to Alistic's, like, small but really fucking stellar discography so far, um, Piano did make my top 100 songs in 2021. Uh, Superstitious is still a single that I revisit often. And I don't see any reason for Everybody's Dead Inside to venture outside of that same realm. Um, there is a more, like straightforward alternative feel to this track than the, the two prior ones and that gives way for Alisic to show off another side to her rising star that i don't think can be stopped for anything um the chorus is insanely catchy she has like this hauntingly beautiful tone going through not only that but also the verses um and like the elevation and energy towards the end only adds to the fulfilling experience that is everybody's dead inside and so far the entire catalog provided by Olysic. I've said it before, I'll say it again. She is a fucking star. Let me get into the brand new Yours Truly single, Hallucinate, featuring Josh Franceschi from Yumi at Six. To some extent, I think there is like a real possibility of yours truly being able to capture the same magic that Stan Atlantic just did on Fear. And what I mean by that is that these are two pop punk bands who like they've always been good, but their latest material displays more aggression than before. And not like aggressive in the way that it becomes heavier automatically, but just like it feels more authentic and raw in a lot of ways and that's not to discredit the material of yours truly so far because i love songs like circles and together um you know they are able to or they have been able to entertain me but ever since last year's walking over my grave they are on a run right now that feels like this is the encapsulation of everything that they've been working towards um josh his um, performance here is amazing and it works so well in unison with michaela delgado's vocals that again are always just on fucking point um there's something happening here with yours truly i i really do feel that i don't know what else is gonna happen this year with them an ep an album something of an extended format but whatever it is i am here for the future of yours truly uh wargasm uh some big announcements from this band last week and we'll get into the details of that in a minute uh brand new single drildo And the aforementioned announcement was the debut mixtape of Wargasm called Explicit, and it is expected to be released later into the summer. Um, so I don't know how much I've talked about Wargasm before on this platform, but they're a project that I've been paying attention to since, like, essentially the start of their careers, really. And there has been a reason why Wargasm are as acclaimed as they have been up to this point off of just singles like no ep no album you know the mixtape coming out soon explicit that is the first taste of extended wargasm um they've got their energy down they have an identity and for as chaotic as it comes across it shows off this prowess that is like really hard for me to describe and i think drill dough is even harder to narrow down to terms um the sound here is like like industrial and pulsating at times with the perfect amount of buildup to those dark moments that are so fucking explosive. It is like 
in some ways, textbook wargasm, but at the same time, it feels like this adventure for them. And we're seeing and hearing a side of them that has been there the whole time, but it feels more fleshed out than it has before on Drodo, if any of that makes any sense. Um, there's a lot to be excited for for the future of wargasm and mixtape or explicit the mixtape is hopefully going to provide everything that their fan base is looking for and fulfill all of the potential in the world that we have come to know and expect out of orgasm the final single that i'll be going in detail on comes from magnolia park it is called feel something and it features Derek sanders from mayday parade And while I know I haven't mentioned them a lot on this show before, that doesn't actually mirror the impact that Magnolia Park have had on the scene. Um, like there was this period where I couldn't scroll Twitter or TikTok like every other day without hearing 10 for 10 in some capacity. Um, but as for this single, Feel Something, it's got the exact pop-punk energy that I think everyone who's into Magnolia Park would be expecting. Um, you know, the giant explosive chorus, the trade-off from the first verse with Joshua Richards to the second one where Derek gets to add a different flair to feel something. It just, it, like, it feels like a complete song. And I think that is the narrative to Magnolia Park's run as a whole so far. Um, and again, I haven't been doing my due diligence when it comes to covering Wargasm, or not Wargasm, Magnolia Park on this show, but... I will make an effort to change that and I will make an effort to cover Magnolia Park every instance I get moving forward. Um, go out of your way to check out not only this single, but also Magnolia Park as a whole band, if you have not already. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to on social media. Ido Tensei by Akuma6 featuring Tamis. How's It Going To Be, which is a Third Eye Blind cover by Boys Of Fall. A Form Of Protest by Kane Hill. Crystal Arms by Drag Me Out. Cutthroat by Fame on Fire, Dog Eat Dog by Fox Lake, Teenage Runaways by Hot Milk, Coming Back by Ian Dior featuring Bushman XLR, Mood Ring by Ivy Paint featuring Outsider Heart, Middle of the Night which is an Ellie Doi cover by Loveless, Losing My Mind by Mayday Parade, Uninstall by Our Last Night, Feel Alive by Patient 67 featuring Kellen Quinn from Sleeping with Sirens, Blood, Stone, Blood in Stone I'm sorry, by Perspectives NY, Jabberwocky by Red Hook, Apartment by Sea Haven, Lost by Sea Haven, Get Out of My Head by Secrets, The Alpha Blab by Sefer Tomorrow featuring Tired Violence, Innocence by Sync With Me, We All Will Lose by The Disaster Area, Summer Clothes by The Wonder Years, Raw by Thornhill, Miracle by Valley Heart. Actually, that was it. That was the last one. Uh, so yeah, that was everything that I reviewed for singles on social media, and it was good. I genuinely enjoyed to some extent everything that i heard and i really like that i'm stumbling now i'm sorry it's just head is kind of all over the place not really formulating cohesive thoughts right now just kind of rambling and rambling like i always do um and i'm gonna have to continue to do that for the upcoming records so there were two albums and two eps uh i i think you guys can figure out what album is going to be saved for the ending because there is a lot to go through with that so I think what I'm going to do is uh, cycle it off between like an EP and then an album and then an EP and then that album. So here's how we're going to start. The brand new EP from Gucci Highwaters called Heartbreak Highway. I think that in the world of emo hip-hop and how that genre has evolved over the last few years from the SoundCloud scene to something more alternative-based, you have to look at Gucci Highwaters and consider him to be one of the faces of this movement. You know, again, at least for what it pertains to us in the scene right now. And granted, you know, there are plenty of other um, you know, figures for that movement, Nothing Nowhere being the biggest one. But with Gucci Highwaters, I just feel like there's something to his 
overall like image and delivery and performance and everything that he brings to us, it feels generational in some ways. And I'm not saying that Gucci, Gucci Highwaters is one of the best artists out there right now, or not even that he's one of my favorites, but he feels like one of the most important. He feels like somebody who everybody should be paying attention to. And if you're not already, you know, hopefully Heartbreak Highway is going to be the thing that turns you around on him. Um, I kind of think it will be, but I also kind of don't. And I, I will elaborate on that shortly. Um, so just to kind of, uh, give a little bit of background about Gucci Highwaters in relation to Ulterior. Um, there is a connection because Jokes on You, which was his prior record or album, I mean, it dropped back in January of 2021. And I don't know how many people would know this, but initially this was not a podcast. It was a website. That is what I envisioned for Ulterior back at the start of this whole endeavor. And uh, Jokes on You was one of the few releases I actually had a partial review written for i actually you know had god it felt like fucking like four pages five pages worth of shit written down for jokes on you because hearing it at the time it felt revolutionary and it felt impactful and granted some of that status was not retained throughout 2021 because it did not make my top 50 albums uh, or records of the year i will say that now um but there was a song on Jokes on You called Rock Bottom, which actually does feature Nothing Nowhere, that out on that list of uh, my 100 favorite songs, it was number 20. And I contemplated making it higher, and I still go back and hear that song and think, did I hoe over Rock Bottom for a top 10 spot? Because that song is that fucking good. Um, And, you know, again, even if my feelings and admiration and attachment ultimately to Jokes on You wasn't as strong at the end of the year as it was at the beginning, I still have like a real soft spot for that record. And maybe that is why I am just slightly hesitant to call Heartbreak Highway a perfect release because of the differences in sound between that release and Jokes on You. Um, Like the shift in sound from hip hop to pop. Um, I don't want to say it's jarring because I feel like even hearing uh, Gucci Hawar's on Jokes on You, you could tell that he had that potential. So in that regard, it feels like the natural evolution that Gucci Hawar's was going to follow inevitably. But again, I guess it's just part of me that wishes the sound coming out of Jokes on You had been explored just a little bit more before venturing into Heartbreak Highway. Um, but like having said all that, given that this is Gucci's first major label release through public consumption in partnership with Electra Records, the new style makes sense, and I don't fault Gucci Highwaters for taking this avenue, and I don't even really have much of a room to complain when this new style sounds as good as it does. Um, like even from the first two singles for this EP, Crush My Car and Devil on My Shoulder, uh, those songs showed off the caliber of Gucci Highwaters when it comes to crafting these really catchy pop songs, especially on Crash My Car's chorus, which invokes this like energy of uh, like a 70s or 80s synth pop song that would have been cycled through vigorously on radio. And that lends itself to Crash My Car working perfectly as the opening song. Um, from there, you get into Dancing with the Stars, which might be my favorite song on the EP as of now. And... Maybe that has something to do with this song having some resemblance of like the downbeat hip hop style that I enjoyed out of a song like Rock Bottom. Um, and like once the chorus comes in, it sounds like there is this bass effect that is consuming the entire atmosphere and it helps make Dancing with the Stars even more uh, effective and memorable. Um, Believe is primarily a piano ballad that gives Gucci High Waters the platform to be emotional and vulnerable, all the way from the opening lines, I've always been the one just to dive in, never worried about where the tide is, so who can I blame when it pull me under, and who gonna pick me up, that's what I wonder. Um, Roses has more of the pop-centric sound that I've mentioned before, that sounds like so giant and atmospheric. And that goes into The Chase, which was a single beforehand. Um, the Chase feels like this massive dance banger that with the right promotion and backing could blow up at any second and just like take on a life of its own. And with like regard to that, as well as the sound overall, it does sort of remind me of Blackout by Breathe Carolina. And 
I would be heavily in favor of this track getting as big as Blackout did. Um, so I guess to kind of circle back to what I was saying earlier with uh, the transition from Jokes and Nude to Heartbreak Highway, there are no hard feelings on my end because this new sound by Gucci Highwaters is still so fucking good. Like these are some insanely catchy pop songs that are going to be stuck in my head for a really long time. You know, Crash My Car already was. Um, and I, I think there is this like, um, I guess versatility being shown by Gucci Highwaters in relation to what we've been able to see and hear from him out of hip hop and then now into pop. Um, there is star power here. There is talent here. And you'd have to be just completely fucking obtuse to not understand what Gucci Highwaters brings to the scene and hopefully in the future, the mainstream at large, because I think he can really get there. We have the brand new album from Life Awaits. This one is called Call Me Insane. My connection to Life Awaits has been primarily up and down, but I say that with the acknowledgement that the down portions have never truly been down. Um, and what I mean by that is just like a little bit of a story, I suppose. My introduction to this band came around this time in 2017 through a song called You. It was a single for the album Waves, and it is one of the best songs I have been able to hear in recent memory. Um, like the emotion that's packed into it in the verses and the chorus and the explosive nature of it and the way that it felt so like, um, I know I've used this term before to describe other alternative songs, but it applies very well to you in my opinion, hybrid theory. And that's the spirit. That is the sound that you could hear in you. And it was just like altering in a lot of ways for me. And the, the, um, the heights of which that song reached for myself personally, maybe that wasn't a good thing because it set the bar exceptionally high for Life Awaits in the time leading up to Waves releasing. And when I had Waves and I was able to hear it, I was a little bit let down, but that was only because I was expecting every song on that record to hit me the way that you did. And that was never going to happen because you was special. You was like a one-time thing. Um, in terms of effectiveness and staying power, the rest of the songs there were good. They just were not you. That's a weird thing to keep saying. They're not you because it sounds like I'm talking to you, the listener, but no, I'm talking about the song You by Life Awaits, whatever. Um, they did have another album in 2019 called Fluorescent, which I can't even say had a song the caliber of you in its track list. Like it was good, but by this point, if I'm being honest, it's largely forgettable. So. We started off 2022 with the singles were a lot for Call Me Insane. And Life Awaits started on a fucking incredible note with the song Unchained, which channels the metalcore style of Life Awaits with the incorporation of a clean chorus that took me back to an aged time for the genre. And it, it still might be my favorite song on the album, even though there is one song in contention that I will get to in a minute. Um, Dead End was the second single, and that was another step in the right direction, and it gave me more hope for the overall and ultimate deliverance of Call Me Insane once I had the album in hand. Um, and then the same thing happened with New World Sanity, and maybe not to the same extent for Only Paranoid, which is the final single, but what I saw out of Life Awaits by the end of the singles rollout was that they were poised to be ready to deliver an album that I had been expecting out of them ever since I first got to hear you five years ago. Um, getting into the rest of the material, In Gloom serving as the album's opener starts off Call Me Insane in just about as brutal of a fashion as possible. Um, I love the contrast between like the almost, I guess like muted yet frantic verse that combusts into the heavy chorus that brings forth the name of the album in its lyrics. Um, there were some experimental chances being taken by Life Awaits on this album, such as on the song Renegades, which incorporates like some electronic elements in the first verse that builds to a catchy and vibrant chorus. Um, there was also the song Congratulations, which has some string work that sounds like an homage to the band's Japanese roots. And that song perfectly blends into The Passenger, which is the track that I alluded to earlier when I said that Unchained might not be my favorite song overall on Call Me Insane. 
Um, this is the song on here that most closely resembles the beauty and emotion that made you such a staple song for myself. Um, the chorus is powerful. I, I love the bridge that quiets things down for a bit and gives the listener some room to breathe before going into the outro. Like truly and genuinely a, a phenomenal song that I think acts as one of the pillars of this record. Um, and then after that, the album gets back to its metalcore nature with the song Devour Me, and that's kind of where that side of Life Awaits delivery ends with Call Me Insane because of how different the final two songs are. Um, All In My Head is very much so like a pop song, in its tone at least, and, and it's able to bring forth some rock elements into the fold towards the end, but for the most part, it is, um, you know, this chance that was taken by Life Awaits that I thought paid off immensely. And then the closing song, I'm Still Trying At Least, dives even further into that realm. And even with some screams being thrown into it, it's still such a soothing and effective conclusion to the record. And coming out of Call Me Insane, I did feel like I was finally given the album experience by Life Awaits that I had been waiting for since you. Is Are any of the songs on here going to stick with me the way that you did? I don't know, maybe. Unchained and The Passenger had the best chances, and then there were still some other songs that I feel like with more listens and more time spent, they can reach that upper echelon. Like, this is an album that has the potential to grow on me. I do not think that my opinion on this can diminish in any way. The only place for Call Me Insane to go from here is up, and I really, really would love to see that happen throughout the remainder of this year. New EP by A Dozen Black Roses, treading ever so deeply. This was a bit of a random one because it dropped in the middle of last week, and it was actually on the same day as the album I'll be talking about next, and I had never heard of A Dozen Black Roses before, so this was something that I had to find through Twitter, and I don't remember if it was the state of the scene who retweeted it or if it was somebody else, but whatever the case was, it showed up on my TL, and I was just like, you know what, fuck it, I'll give it a listen, it looks cool, the artwork at least, and Genuinely, I'm glad I did that because for 16 minutes, these motherfuckers are putting on a clinic for that type of metalcore and hardcore punk amalgamation. Um, just from the opening song, Curse of Connection, you're never really given a moment to breathe from the initial buildup that is entirely instrumental for like 30 seconds and then into one of the most thunderous songs that I've been able to hear lately. It's just so... Um, like ferocious in that in that regard. Um, the Hedgehog's Dilemma keeps the energy going, and not just in terms of like uh, the heaviness in style or production, but also in the sense of like, um, like I guess the manner in which Curse of Connection bled into this track, and then this song into Against the Grain for the third song. Um, everything about this EP, it feels and sounds like one consecutive 16-minute song as opposed to five songs around three minutes, if that makes any sense. And there's even a slight hint of clean vocals a little bit before the song gets into the final minute. And I really do appreciate the name being The Hedgehog's Dilemma, since we got to see what Ugly Sonic has been up to since the internet put him in a pack. Um, in hindsight, that was kind of fucked up, wasn't it? But like, he, he, he do be ugly. They, they, they weren't lying there. Um, a haunting display helped me understand what it is that gravitated me towards this EP, aside from it just being heavy, and that was this nostalgic element that uh, reminded me of metalcore from the late 2000s, especially near the end once some more clean vocals came in. Like, it's very, um, I guess, like, all that remains off of um, the fall of ideals of like that is a connection that anybody else can make for this EP not like entirely but just like some of the clean moments some of the heavy moments that is what my mind went to um and then there's the closing song which is the title track treading ever so deeply and by that point I was so infatuated with how much emotion the instrumental portions of a dozen black roses managed to pack in while still being so heavy and for like close to a minute the EP gets this fading outro that gave the listener a chance to soak in everything that they heard over the last 16 minutes. Um, this is a very effective EP. It, it's not any trouble to get through whatsoever. 16 minutes, five songs, like, you know, it, it, it's 
constant. It's heavy all the way through. It kept me entertained. It kept me energized. And that is the exact introduction that I need to a heavy band like a dozen black roses in order for me to feel like I need to pay attention to them moving forward. Because now coming out of treading ever so deeply, I feel like this is an EP that, you know, I should be praising and I should be telling all of you guys like how good it sounds in hopes that you will all check it out and get the enjoyment out of it that I did. And now there is only one record left to talk about, and it is probably will forever remain one of the most important records I ever talk about on this show. And there's plenty of reasons why. Maybe I'll get into all of them. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll save it for another day. But regardless, um, this is a big one. This is a big deal, and we're going to navigate through it right now. Rouge Carpet Disaster by Static Dress. And I have tried to think exactly how I want to start this uh, portion of the episode because this is probably the longest amount of time I've ever had to spend with a record before getting to talk about it. Um, as you guys know, records normally drop Friday. That's what we've all gotten used to. That's what we all expect out of record announcements. Yet, for whatever reason, this was a Wednesday release. So May 18th is or was the official release day for Rouge Carpet Disaster. Um, I'm trying to figure out if I want to say this now or save it for another... I'll save it for another time because I really want this portion today to be just about static dress and not so much how this record ties into personal matters and grief and different things that I have to talk about. Um, We'll do it later. Like, as in... December, I think, works for me. Uh, hopefully, it works for y'all. Um, okay. So, when I think of debut albums and the history of them and, like, my favorite ones I've ever listened to, um, things like Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park, um, Priorities by Don Broco, Eternal Blue by Spirit Box, Takes It to Your Grave by Fall Out Boy, um, All's Well That Ends Well by Chiodos, Downtown Battle Moment by Dance Given Dance. Like, there were so many that come to mind as, like, it, it was so fucking obvious at the time that they were those fucking records. And still to this day, they are exactly that. They still hold up just as well. They still mean as much to me now as they did back then in the past. So, having said all that about those incredible debut records, debut albums, I'm not saying. Rouge Carpet Disaster is the best, but what I am saying is that the possibility is genuinely there of Rouge Carpet Disaster being my favorite debut album in history. And I don't see that as recency bias. I see that as me having had enough time to spend with this record and listen to it front to back time and time and time again. I can't fucking tell you guys how many times I've heard this record. I lost count. Um, Every time I hear it in full, I can feel this sense of invigoration and excitement within me that was there from the beginning. You know, on my 28th listen or whatever number it might be, I feel as strongly for this record as I did my first listen. And that's a rare feat. That is not easy. Not many records have the capability or potential of ever doing that for me. Yet, Rouge Carpet Disaster fucking did it. And I might be getting ahead of myself now, but I really wanted to lay out right now, immediately, a portion of what this record means to me. I've said portion a lot, this review. I don't really know why. Um, okay, so Static Dress, who even are they? Uh, I think I'm still trying to figure that out in, in some respects because they seemingly came out of nowhere. I remember Adaptive Taste, which was a single of theirs in 2019, was my first time listening to them. And I heard that single and... I, I assumed that this was like a band that had been around for a minute. I just didn't pay attention. No, they formed in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm going to check very, very quickly, but I believe this band is only about like three years old. Um, okay, 2018. That that still doesn't change how fucking 
mind-boggling it is that they are as good and vital to the scene as they are right now being so young and so early into their tenure um and after hearing adaptive taste it was clear like there is something here i don't know exactly what it was yet at that point but i knew that there was something to static dress beyond just this incredible band that sounds like an amazing throwback to old post-hardcore and screamo of the past um in 2020 they released for the attention of and something that i remember very very vividly about that release was the fact that it dropped on youtube one day after obey by bring me the horizon and i remember listening to obey and thinking in my head at the time um you know it's raps like bring me the horizon one song of the year through obey and then probably one song of the year through whatever else was going to be on post-human having not heard anything outside of ludens parasite eve and obey at that time and then static just put out for the attention of and i'm listening to it and i'm like did they dethrone bring me like i'm coming a day off of a new bring me the horizon song yet going into the weekend i cannot stop listening to this fucking static dress single and that was like my first instance in my brain of like putting two into it putting two and two together and realizing that maybe static dress got next maybe they are the next band in line at least for me personally to replace bring me the horizon at some point in the future because no band ever stays on top no band ever remains my favorite ever um, you know, my first favorite band was Linkin Park and I was, you know, strong in that opinion for years. And then it was Avenged Sevenfold and then it was Bring Me the Horizon. And granted, I still love Linkin Park. I still love Avenged Sevenfold, not the newer stuff, but I still love Avenged Sevenfold. Let's just forget about Hell to the King and everything after that. Um, that, that that's the cycle, you know, Linkin Park, Avenged Sevenfold, Bring Me the Horizon. I know in my head, I know full well, Bring Me is not going to be number one forever. There's got to be a band at some point in the future who overtakes them. And I thought maybe it's Knocked Loose, maybe it's Boston Manor, maybe it's Ice Nine Kills, maybe it's Spirit Box, maybe it's not even any of them, maybe it's a solo artist like Maggie Lineman or fucking Charlotte Sands or somebody, you know? And I heard that address and I thought... There's no reason for it not to be them. If they stay the course, if their trajectory is going to continue to be on the upward trend, there's no reason that they cannot be the next band in line to be my favorite ever. And it just felt like with every single thereafter, my point was kind of proven, to me at least. Because almost a year ago at this point, I believe June 4th would have been the exact day of the release of Sweet. Sweet having been the lead single for Rouge Carpet Disaster. And with Sweet, there was something to its cadence and delivery that I don't think was necessarily there on Adaptive Taste or For the Attention Of or Clean or any of the other prior Static Dress singles. Um, it felt so complete. And not that the other songs weren't complete because they were, but there was just something about Sweet and the build-up to it, the chaos in the verses, the, the calm verses as well for that matter, the explosive chorus that is catchy while still being like kind of heavy but kind of melodic too. Like It's so weird to try and describe static dress to anybody who might not be familiar with them. Um, but hearing Sweet, I just knew like this is going to continue. Like they They really, really, really might be it, guys. And that's a big deal for me to find a band and say they are it. You know, I've got a fucking Bring Me the Horizon tattoo on my right index finger. And I never really knew what the day would look like when I found a band that could be their successors. And I'm not saying it is Static Dress, but I'm saying Static Dress has a better chance of being that band than anyone else, in my opinion, right now when I look at the landscape of the scene. Um, so the the, uh, the roll-off Rouge Carpet Disaster was kind of... Uh, like rerouted in a way because we ended up getting the EP prologue at the end of 2021, which had some amazing songs on there like Silver Exits and Disposable Care, just to name a few. Um, and for me, like, okay, granted, that was like more of like this comic book project than it was like a real, um, extended formatted music release per se. Um, but I could still hear those songs and think like, They've got it. It, it. it is them. It's going to be them. And after Prologue came out, I didn't know how long the wait would be before 
uh, the true debut LP from Sound Address, but it really wasn't long at all. Because then we go into Dissenter featuring King Yosef as a second single. And I think at that point, Rouge Carpet Disaster had been unveiled with not an exact release date, but just the spring time frame. And that was more than enough for me to be just full, full of exuberance and excited to no fucking end, guys, because I knew what could have potentially come out of this LP. And hearing Dissenter, again, I'm just reminded, like, they've got everything down. Like, somehow this band feels like a throwback while also being a glimpse into the future. And I don't exactly know how that's possible. I don't know how they're able to do that because I know like, you know, I've talked about the screamo post hardcore revival scene before with bands like if I die first, see space cowboy, risk me razor, but there's something about sad address and what they offer that is so unique to them. And it's so like inspiring to me, I, I guess for lack of a better way of really phrasing that. Um, and, and so when I hear Dissenter, I'm like, okay, I'm ready for whatever's going to happen. I don't think I was. I really don't think I was ready because I ended up getting, or we ended up getting rather such a shame as the third single. And that was when Rouge Carpet Disaster got announced for May 18th. And I promise at the end of this year, guys, I will get back on here and explain to all of you why May 18th was so important to me, why it was such this anomaly in my head for Static just to put out a record that day. But it was. And such a shame, having that be the song that came with the announcement of the release date, it was just like, it It was beautiful and cathartic at the same time of like hurting, like that shit cut me somehow. Um, and with such a shame, I hear it and I'm so just moved and taken aback by the amount of emotion packed into it and the chorus that has not been able to leave my membrane ever since I first heard it. I think that I moved on too soon, just left here with my thoughts gripped on losing you, dying here with open arms, final thoughts dead in her arms, I think that I moved on too soon. And again, it's not been able to leave me, that has been embedded into my head for the last couple of weeks and if I had to guess, it's going to continue to be that way for the rest of my life. Um, Flea House as the final single beforehand, a- another instance of this band taking what has worked in the past, working or working in what works for them now, and somehow feeling like they also have their fingers on the pulse of what is going to be coming in the future. And it, you know, I don't know who you credit with that. I don't know. I don't know if you credit just Ollie Apple Yard. If you credit the rest of the band, you should credit the rest of the band. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Um, cats are playing with the shades. Don't mind that noise if you hear it. Um, but okay, looking at that singles rollout, that is fucking goat, guys. That is god tier shit of sweet and then into dissenter and then into fucking such a shame and then flea house. It's like, what the fuck else is going to come from this record that I haven't, you know, heard yet? Like, what the fuck are we waiting for? Like, what is going to be on the other end of all this? And what ended up being on the other end is one of the most impressive albums I've ever, ever, ever had the honor and privilege of listening to and essentially getting on here to gas up. And ultimately, there is a lot to, to take away from the experience and enjoyment that I've been able to get out of Rouge Carpet Disaster over the last week. Um, Push Rope, which comes in as the third track. So that one, you get more of that 2000s emo flair spread throughout the song, especially in the chorus and how like it feels just so anthemic and like easy to, and this is something that like, you know, not many people I'm assuming listening to this would be able to kind of put themselves in position wise because I grew up, um, in a different time frame than y'all probably did. I'm older than y'all is what I'm getting at. Um, I can easily just imagine like some shitty quality fucking, you know, 240p music video being uploaded to YouTube in like 2005, 2006. And just having like that raw experience with this kind of track. And I think that's what is like really, really pulling me into that mindset of this being a throwback. Um, the song attempt eight, it's sort of like an interlude, but it also has more than enough power put into it to stand out on its own song, like with a completely unique character and identity for itself. And I love when bands are able to do that. I mentioned that before when it comes to a song like Alex by Bring Me the Horizon, which is off of Amo and how it's meant to be an interlude, but it's so much more than that. 
that is what attempt eight feels like to me. I'm not saying it's as good as ouch because I don't think it is, but it just has that, um, that own life that it breathes into Rouge Carpet Disaster, I guess. Um, and that goes into the song Courtney Just Relax. The muted buildup to the chorus made for one of my favorite sequences on the entire album. And then, like, you throw in the breakdown near the end that is pulled straight from 2000's Pulse Hardcore. Like, just everything about Courtney Just Relax is fucking stellar and phenomenal, like everything else on this record. Um, the song maybe has some of the catchiest moments on the record throughout, like, its chorus and the rhythm. And it also has this anime type of feel to its structure. At least that was something that I was able to pull out of it. Lie Solution. The intro for this song, like, that got me fucking amped just from the moment that faint section begins before bursting into the main melody of the song, and the incredible verses that are implemented to show off Ollie's screams, and that lends itself to the contrast with the chorus that he's able to sing to perfection. Um, the destructive nature of that outro, it really, like, puts a song in a state where it feels like it's it's just, like, disintegrating around me, and that made sure that lie solution concluded as well as it began um unexplainable titles that leave you wondering why welcome in fucking goaded song name by the way um that is one of the best sub two minute songs i've ever heard it is just like frantic and fast-paced and energetic and in some ways maybe the heaviest song on the record despite being the shorts and like it's not heavy in the sense of like oh screaming screaming metalcore screaming screaming whatever hardcore it's heavy in that it just feels like so Again, frantic and like as if you're like running from danger, you're like trying to, you know, get away from something. That is the the sense that I get hearing unexplainable titles. Um, Marisol, God, dude, this fucking song, man, like maybe the most emotional point on the record. Like by definition, it is a ballad, but in its execution, it feels and sounds so much more detailed and depth field than just saying that. Um, the parts where Ollie sounds like he's singing over, like, a phone or a recorded line, like, that stuff is chilling, to say the least. And then you factor in the lyricism for that stuff. Fix your disease, leave in a cardboard box, syringe-induced dreams, help forget all of us, pray under him, crucifix with no meaning, do not resuscitate. And from there, the final song, Cubicle Dialogue, is one of the best closing tracks I have ever listened to. Everything from its catchy rhythm to the sing-along worthy chorus to the scaled-back bridge, and all of that builds perfectly to the song's final minute that gave Static Dress one more chance to show off to all of their fans why the wait for Rouge Carpet Disaster was more than worth it. Um... I, and what's crazy is like I gave this a 10 and I be, I believe that I stand by that I think Rouge Carpet Disaster is an absolutely perfect and flawless release and I don't even think I'm at my peak yet when it comes to the level of appreciation that I have for this record and what Static Dress were able to do with it it's gonna go up from here like this is generational material that we're talking about guys this is fucking like a moment in time this is something that i will never ever be able to forget and like okay i don't want to show my hand too much when it comes to like how strongly in favor of this record i feel but i'm, I'm gonna do it anyways when i think about the scene so far this decade in the 2020s i look at five projects five releases and i say you five are the pillars. Like, you are the records that are holding up this scene right now and my fandom in it over the last two and a half years, almost two and a half years. Those records are I Disagree by Poppy, Post Human Survival Horror by Bring Me the Horizon, The Welcome to Horrorwood, The Silver Scream 2 by Ice Nine Kills, Eternal Blue by Spirit Box, and Rouge Carpet Disaster by Static Dress. I put this record in that echelon, in that category of just absolute elite goaded status. It is one of the most important things I've ever heard in my life. One of the best records ever. Just God, I, I don't, I don't know how to say this anymore and get my point across more thoroughly. Like I feel something when I listen to Rouge Carpet Disaster. I feel love and joy and pain and sorrow and sympathy and agony and empathy. Just everything that you can ask for music to pull out of you, I feel all of that for Rouge Carpet Disaster. 
Static dress delivered everything that I expected them to, everything I knew they would, and somehow more. Somehow this record exceeded all my expectations, having already expected a flawless, perfect album. And they did that. They fucking did that, and I'm so fucking happy to have been able to listen to this last week. And I'm so, so thankful that this is now part of my identity, and this is now part of who I am, and this record is going to get to, you know, be there alongside me through every step of the way for the rest of my life, not just through Ulterior, but through every single avenue that I venture into. And that's it. That was every album and EP and single from last week that I had to talk about. Um, there's a lot going on, guys. I think you all know that. Um, there's a lot of heavy stuff. There's a lot that, you know, we might feel like worn down by. We might feel like just drained from. And it, it's all understandable at the same time. And this is something more so for myself just to kind of like say it out loud so I can hear it keep going. There's not really anything else to do or that we can do. We only have the power to move forward. And I will do everything in my abilities, everything to make sure that that is what I do. I move forward. I look ahead to what's going to happen in the future. And I try to look at the good. I try to be positive about it. And that's hard because I'm not a positive person at nature, but I have to try. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.